Well, if you've got your Bible, please do turn in it to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want to just uh, tic-tac through a few of those verses and just draw out a few points. And uh, in two weeks' time, uh, I have the privilege of coming back and speaking at the six o'clock. And uh, I want to uh, explore more practically what the gifts look like. But this evening, I just want to lay a sort of foundation and uh, put a bit of architecture gifts. That's where all of this starts. It starts with the nature and character of God, who is a gift-giving God. He just loves it. He loves to spoil his children. Jesus said, if you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more will the Father in heaven Give good gifts to those who ask. And in Luke's gospel, it says, how much more would he give the spirit to those who ask? Because the spirit is the means, the agent, if you like, through which God gives us his gifts. And he is a gift-giving God. Preeminently, he gives us his son, who gives his life to give us life. And the father and the son give us the spirit and the Spirit applies to us all that Jesus has done for us, but comes giving gifts. So he's a gift-giving God. And it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, to each one of us, every one of us, all of us, he gives gifts. Gifts have been given out when he ascended on high, when Jesus rose and ascended into heaven, and then sat at the Father's right hand, he poured out his spirit and gave us gifts. So these are ascension gifts we're talking about. They're not creation gifts in this passage. Uh, everyone has gifts that are given in creation to humanity it's through the process of history. And some people can paint and some people can play musical instruments and some people can think brilliant thoughts and some people can just be awesome. But what we're talking about here are particular gifts that are given to Christians to beautify the church and bless the world. Now, the Bible has several different lists for gifts. We find it in Ephesians 4. We find it in Romans 12. We find a list, 1 Corinthians 12. There are over 20 distinct gifts that Paul lists, and I don't think he's being exhaustive. There's nothing magical. In this passage, there are nine gifts, and there's nothing magical. It's not like the nine Nazgul or the, the nine Fellowship of the Ring, um, and uh, there's nothing mystical about nine. It's not three threes, and three's a perfect number. It's simply Paul. He's just, he's just riffing. Here are some of the gifts that God gives. He is a gift-giving God. And the gifts vary from helping to healing, from preaching to prophesying, from works of mercy to miracles, from the gift of teaching to the gift of tongues. In all these lists, lots of gifts. God has got a kind of superabundance of blessing to bless you so that you can bless others. I don't know if you heard the talk this morning in our morning service by Emily but she, she kept coming back to this theme that God wants to bless us to bless others. And that's what this passage is about. God wants to bless you 
to bless others. Now, in this passage in 1 Corinthians 12, there are two different words that are used for gifts. One of them is pneumaticon, pneuma, the spirit, the breath, the gifts of the spirit. And the other is the word charismaton, from which we get charisma, charismatic, charisms. And they're synonymous. The point being that these are gifts that are given by the spirit. Okay, let me... uh, drill in a bit deeper. The first thing I want to say, well, I've already said a few things, but here's another first, is that charismatic has often come to be associated with kind of informal style and contemporary music and dressing down for church and and, uh, not being sort of really religious and, and so on. But that's not what being a charismatic is about. And St. Aldate seeks to be a charismatic church. That's not to do with style. It's not to do with feel. It's not to do with tone, although those things can can be important to us because we want to be relevant and connect. But charismatic is to do with charisms, is to do with the gifts. And Paul says a number of things here. In verse 1, he says, don't be ignorant about the gifts. The Greek word is agnosain which is literally without knowledge. And whilst these supernatural gifts, because they're supernatural, not natural, have never totally left the church, at times the church has lost sight of them, lost experience of them, lost the use of them. They're kind of muscles have grown weak in using them. Some years ago, I traced all the way through church history where these gifts had been evident, but there were seasons, certainly in the New Testament church, when they seem to be super abundant, but oftentimes where they're almost non-existent. And Paul is saying to the Corinthians, don't be ignorant. Don't be without knowledge. In other words, I want you to really understand and appreciate the gifts of the spirit. And this knowledge is not simply cerebral or bookish or theoretical knowledge. This is experience. I want you to know about these things, to have experienced these things and know how to operate, to work, to use, to enjoy and to employ them. That's the first thing, don't be ignorant. And then he says, don't be indifferent. At the end of chapter 12, he says that they're to be zealous for the gifts. He also says it twice in chapter 14. The word is zelute, from which we get zealot. There's to be an intense desire, a passion. In fact, the word can be translated lust, which as some of you know, pretty strong stuff. What he's saying is you can't just be sort of passive and, oh, well, maybe, maybe not. There's no indifference. We've got to be keen about these things. Why? Because they're gifts that God wants to give us. God wants to bless you so that you can bless others. He wants to give you a gift so that you can pass that on and you can bless someone else with what God has given you. These are supernatural, not natural gifts for the benefit of someone else. And it's an imperative, eagerly desire these gifts. I had a friend who 
told me that he didn't want the gift of tongues because he thought it would be divisive. He thought it might turn off some of his friends who were of a more conservative theological position. He would rather not offend them than offend God who might have wanted to give him the gifts. I said, come on, man, get the gift of tongues. Just don't use it in front of these conservatives. Eagerly desire the gifts of the spirit. And then Paul says, don't be indulgent with them. Later on, he says, since you're eager to receive the gifts, try and excel in the gifts that build up the church. Excel in the gifts that build up the church. Now, in this chapter, there are nine gifts. As I said, the nine is not a magic number. We can get over 20 by looking at the other lists. But, it, but of those nine that are here, only one is personal. That's the gift of tongues. It's a beautiful gift. We've heard Philly talk about it. How wonderful. Don't go to bed tonight without asking God to give it to you if you haven't got it. But Paul says that's the only one that's for you. The rest are for the benefit of others. And he says, if you've got that one, ask that God will also give you a gift of interpretation so that it's not just a gift of you talking to God, but it becomes a revelation that you can talk to others and is interpreted. And then Paul contrasts the gifts. In verse two, he says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray. And then he says, you were led astray. In the Greek, it doesn't get translated in most translations, but he repeats it. You were led astray, you were led astray to mute idols. And this is really important. Paul is contrasting the experience of receiving the charismatic gifts with the experience of being a pagan with their ecstatic freaking out. And he's saying that when you followed idols, you used to freak out. You'd have all these ecstatic and uncontrollable idol worship. You were caught up. You were carried away. Not so the Christian. When you were a pagan, you were like that and you went off after mute idols. So there's a contrast here that the receiving of the spirit is not necessarily this strange, carried off, carried away, led astray, ecstatic thing. There's a, there can be a sense of calm and control. Some of you have resisted the gifts because you're afraid you're gonna freak out. Well, don't worry about that. God don't want you to freak out. He may overwhelm you, but he doesn't want to freak you out. He wants to bless you so you can bless others. And uh, he wants us to receive these gifts. And there's a sense of intelligence and coherence to them. Doesn't mean to say you've got to suddenly turn into some crazy holy roller. On the contrary, that's what happens when you're led astray by mute idols. The second interesting thing here is that he contrasts the receiving of the gifts with this mute idolatry. And what he's saying is this, when you were pagans, you worshiped gods who didn't speak. But the mark of the charismatic, the mark of the gift giving God, the mark of the experience of these gifts is to do with the God who speaks. It's very interesting that in the Bible, when the Spirit of God moves on someone, 
There is revelation, there is knowledge imparted, there is speech. They prophesy, they pray, they praise, they preach. The spirit is a speaking God. And so it's not surprising that of these gifts that are listed here, six of the nine are to do with speech and revelation and knowledge. God speaking to and through someone. Isn't that interesting? It's really important. God is a speaking God. He wants to speak to you. He wants to speak through you. And these gifts, whether they're words of knowledge, knowledge that you didn't have otherwise, words of wisdom, wisdom that you haven't learned with a gray beard, but that's come by God. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy, a revelation from God, discernment of spirits, a sense of what's going on, tongues and interpretation of tongues. These are gifts that are given where you receive supernatural revelation and information to speak into a situation and build people up. God blesses you to bless others. He speaks to you to speak through you. That's how it works. We don't follow mute idols like the pagans. One of my former theological tutors 30 years ago called Howard Pescott told me that when he was visiting Indonesia, he sat in a taxi and he noticed on the on the dashboard, there was all sorts of little idols that were stuck there. So he said to the taxi driver, he said, what are they? The taxi driver said, they're my idols. And my tutor said, do they talk to you? And the driver laughed and said, of course they don't. And then my tutor said, well, my God talks to me. God is continuously articulate. He is a speaking God, speaks mainly through the Bible, but in the Bible where he speaks, he tells us he speaks outside the Bible, in our conscience, in creation. He speaks through the community of the church, but he speaks through the charismatic gifts. We've got to understand that these gifts are to do with the revealing God who talks to you, to talk through you to others. We're going to look at that in a couple of weeks time. Well, I had a lot more to say, but I'm just conscious of the time. So um, let me just say a couple more things and then we'll have an illustration. What, are, what does Paul have to say about the criteria in which the gifts are given? Well, first, the gifts tell us what God is like, not what we're like. The gifts are not a reward for good behavior. We know that because the Corinthians were pretty immoral. And the gifts are given not as a reward for sound doctrine. You know, a lot of the people with the most sound doctrine don't necessarily have an experience that matches up. And the Corinthians were unsound. The gifts are given by God, by a gracious God, to equip us for his service, not because we've attained some sort of moral standard. And that's why we see in the church all too often people who have extraordinary gifts but don't have a character that measures up and the gifts give them a ministry and then we find out that there's a whole shadow side uh, uh, behind the front stage of their ministry but gifts are given not to do with our character we're meant to work on our character but a gift is a gift that tells us that god is generous and uh the gifts are not given to um, make much of us. 
They're given because he loves us, but he wants to bless and make something of others. The spirit, when, when we receive these gifts, isn't there to shine the spotlight on himself? Doesn't shine the spotlight on us. It's not about us. It's not even about the spirit. Ultimately, the gifts are to make Jesus more real, more wonderful, more present. These are gifts from the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit, to you, for someone else, to reveal more of Jesus to them, to bring the King, to bring his kingdom, to bring his blessing. He wants to gift you, because he's a gift-giving God, to bless you, to bless others. They're not to be kept for ourselves. And he gives it to everyone. It says he gives to each one. He doesn't think, as I said, they're not rewards for how you've got so far. They're a blessing. They're a gift. And he wants to give everyone a gift so that everyone, I'm blessing you and you're blessing your neighbor and your neighbor is blessing someone else, that everyone is blessed. He wants to give you a gift. Don't rule yourself out. The, the enemy would like you to lie to you and say, you're never going to get one. You're not good enough. You're not sound enough. You haven't been faithful enough. And you're, and, and maybe you think, oh, well, I'm always at the back of the line and I never get given and other people always get them. Paul says, have zeal for them. Don't be passive. Don't rule yourself out, but seek God. He wants to give you these gifts. And when we come to these gifts, Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy, tongues, interpretation, faith, and miracles, and healing, and discernment of spirits. These nine gifts can be divided into two categories. Gifts of revelation, where God speaks. And whether through a dream, or a vision, or an impression, or an audible voice, or an internal voice, or a sensory perception, or an intuition, or a vision, or just a knowing in your knower, he speaks something to you to speak through you to bless someone else. Revelation. The other category is demonstration. Something that reveals power. That reveals the nature of the king and his kingdom. And that is faith to work miracles, miracles and healings. I'm not sure of the distinction really between miracles and healings, except I expect a miracle is a really big healing plus other stuff. Okay. But there are essentially these two categories of gifts, revelation, demonstration, all from the spirit to you, blessing you to bless others. It's exciting, isn't it? Pretty good, actually. I'm getting quite excited, sad here. Let me finish with an illustration. And this is a true story. And uh, a friend of mine, Rachel Hickson, who's well known to some of you, she's a well-known preacher and writer. And uh, she rang me up one day, some years ago, and she said, Simon, can I tell you a story? I just got to tell someone. I said, I'm your man, tell me. And she said, uh, and she said, can I just read you a letter? She's on the phone. So she reads me a letter and it went something like this. It was from a woman. And uh, I hope that this doesn't offend you. Please stay with it. Just see, 
God at work in it. And the letter went like this, dear Rachel, you came and preached at my church on such and such a date. And it was Mother's Day and you were preaching. And at the end of the sermon, you invited people for prayer, especially those who were women who were unable to conceive and carry children. She said, I was in the toilet at the time but my friend ran out and said, you've got to come back in. There is an appeal for those who long to conceive but haven't been able to. She said, so I went forward. And as you came along, you simply looked at me and said, God is giving you two zebras. And you continued down the line. She said, I have no idea whether you know what you were doing, saying, or have any memory of that, she said. But what you need to know is this. She said, I am a person of white skin, but I am married. My husband is a person of uh, color. And we have been unable to have children, and we've been trying for years. And every day we've been praying that God would give us little zebras. That was their love name for the children that they longed for. And she said, I enclose a photograph of the twins that were born nine months after you spoke that word. What is that? Well, that is a gift. That is a charism at work. It is faith. She declared it. It's a prophecy. Your God is giving you two zebras. It's a healing miracle. It's a healing and it's a miracle. Often the gifts work together. God blessed Rachel with a word to bless that woman. And in that word, the kingdom of God came, the spirit came and healed her and she conceived. And Rachel rang me up in tears, completely beside herself. What an extraordinary thing. I said, do you remember saying it? She said, I do. I said, what did you think was going on? She said, I have no idea. Never met her before. She didn't know, obviously, anything to do with the story. It was a miracle. Now, don't you want more of that in church? You know, I'm a preacher. I love preaching. Some of you, you don't mind listening to my preaching. But wouldn't you love to see more of that? Well, maybe God wants to use you to give you these gifts uh, to, of words of knowledge, words of wisdom, faith and miracles and healings and tongues. He, he never gives uh, everyone everything, but he gives something to everyone. If only they'll receive it and only they, if only then they will use it. We're going to think more about this in the next few weeks. But I want to encourage you in the next few weeks to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Eagerly desire them. Paul says, especially that you prophesy so that you can hear the word of God and speak the word of God. God is a gift-giving God, and he hasn't ruled you out. He's waiting to give you more.